This episode of Bright Hearth is brought to you by Ideal Poultry, Garlands of Grace, and our supporters at Patreon.com. Imagine a conversation with a sweet Christian woman who is in this kind of jam. You run into her and ask how she's doing. She then falls all over herself telling you how much she loves her job, how busy she is, how much traveling she is doing, how she really doesn't have any time or need for a social life. Or she tells you about her classes, when she'll have her degree and all the wonderful job possibilities waiting out there for her. Now, I'm certainly not saying that she is lying about all this. Don't get me wrong here. But I am saying that it is possible that this is all just a very hollow cover to make you think she is happy, happy, happy all the day when she would really like to cry and say she hates all of this. She might really want to tell you that she is miserable, frustrated, and lonely traveling by herself, that she wishes she could be doing something that would give her more fulfillment and make her feel more a part of the body of Christ. But this, she thinks, would be admitting defeat, and so she convinces herself that her career is all she wants after all. Part of the way to freedom for women in this bind is to help them see, first of all, that it is not only okay, but positively healthy to want to be married. There is nothing in the world wrong with wanting to be married. It is only wrong to be miserable about it. And wanting to be married does not equal discontent. Many women are feeling a false guilt about this. It goes something like this. If I were truly godly, I wouldn't want to be married. I would be happy to be unmarried for the rest of my life. But I do long to be married, therefore I am not rejoicing in the Lord, and therefore I am guilty of sin. But you can confess false guilt all day long and never feel forgiven. God forgives real sin, not our imagined sin. God created marriage and he has given woman a desire for marriage. This is good. I suggest that an unmarried woman thank God that she longs to be married. Excerpt from Single and Satisfied, A Grace-Filled Calling for the Unmarried Woman. Well, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bright Hearth. Brian Sauvey here, joined by my lovely wife, Lexi. Say hi to the listeners, babe. Hello, listeners. What lung capacity do you think you're at right now? We were just <laughs> discussing it. I don't I don't know. I was reading about it yesterday, and there's a genuine decrease by the end of pregnancy. Yeah. When you're like 32 weeks plus, that last, it's got to be at least a 30% reduction. Yeah, if not more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lexi was reading the cold open, and you got to do it like a sentence at a time, and then <laughs> stop and, and the catch your breath. And from this Yeah, we've had this low-grade cold <laughs> going on here. Well... We're thankful that you guys are listening in today. We hope that this episode is helpful to you. And today, as you saw from the title, we're talking through a field guide to finding a spouse. Now, before we get into it, let me say uh, real quickly that this is actually going to be the final episode of this season. This will be the final episode of this season of Bright Hearth. We'll be moving into our third season shortly. And uh, actually, Lord willing, a week after you hear this, we will be releasing an episode introducing to you our next season of Bright Hearth and where we're headed with that and uh, why we think it's going to be helpful and uh, just a a good time in season three. We've had a really uh, enjoyable time talking through marriage as the heart of the productive Christian household. And we figured that it would be helpful and fitting for us to close out this episode or this season on marriage by circling back and talking about singleness. A very common question that we get, and also common situation, um, that we see more and more rising up as uh, like fruitful, culturally maximal, thick Christian culture and faith 
wanes and it's difficult sometimes to find a, a good church. Well, if that's true, how much more is it difficult for young people entering marriage age, marriageable age, sometimes to find a spouse? Uh, the demographics work against you. Yeah, I think it's right and okay to admit that it's not ideal and that this is a very unusual time in history that we are experiencing as yeah. many 30-somethings are trying to get married. This is very unusual. Yep. So yep. So we wanted to do an episode that was just you know relentlessly practical on what we would encourage a single person who's marriageable age looking for a spouse to do about it, how to go about that. We're not going to talk big picture floaty principles up in the air we're going to talk very practically about some things that we think you should actually do and hope that it's helpful. On that front, before we get into it, let me give you just a few disclaimers here or, or sort of introductory thoughts on what we are and aren't trying to do in this episode. First one is that we're not trying to subtweet anyone we know locally <laughs> or otherwise. Like if you're a single person at my church or... Yeah, we've talked to lots of single people yeah, online or in online. different places. Or that we've met at conferences. and We're not singling you out. No. <laughs> to make a pun. No. We're not singling you out or trying to say, like, if, if it sounds like we're talking about any of you from conversations we've had, just know that we're not particularly trying to, like, secretly, passive-aggressively yeah. talk to anybody. These are real things we've come, we've seen come up over and over again. You're not alone. Yeah. Uh, in any of the things we've talked about, we've seen them multiple and many times. So that's number one. Number two, we are also not trying to crush you with an insurmountable list or just completely unrealistic set of expectations. Whereas we're talking about everything from dress to appearance, to conversation, to spiritual maturity and things like that. Um, we're talking about in all of these things, issues that married people are going to be working on for their whole lives. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's important too, just to recognize the creatureliness of the problem. It's okay to put emphasis on certain physical things because we are creatures. We don't want to yeah. disembody the single or married experience. And yeah. it's okay that God made us this way with senses and yeah. emotions and physical and mental and emotional needs yeah. that, you know, that's part of the gift of a spouse. So yep. um, yeah, there's both ends of the spectrum. You, you don't have to feel hopeless. Like God wants you to change as an entirely different person. I was just talking to someone here about this. Like he can use your personality if you can lean into like the specifics of how he made you and wanting to glorify him in that way. I was thinking of a John Piper prayer where he kind of stopped fighting his introvert and started just praying like, Lord, use this to your glory somehow. Yeah. The other end of the spectrum is that marriage does require crucifixion though. Absolutely. And so there are certain parts of personalities that absolutely could potentially be inhibiting you yeah. and that do need to die. Absolutely. So, that's and I think so that's true. what you meant by... A lot of these things are just things that even good married people have to keep pursuing. Right. So, right. yeah, and we counsel married couples where we're talking about these same things. I'll be, count you know, we're talking about appearance and uh, caring for your spouse and conversation and taking interest. A lot of things we're going to talk about. They're also skills that continue to live and be necessary in marriage. So, what we're really trying to be in this episode is just a friend to you who can give you and loves you enough to ask you hard questions, maybe but hard questions that come from a place of love where we want to see you succeed. We want to see you grow in Christ. We want to see you grow in maturity and beauty in, in strength, in fruitfulness. And for your desire for a spouse, if you're listening to this, you probably have a desire for a spouse. 
and uh, we, you know, we, we want to love you. And also, kind of, we're going to be pretty blunt and direct. And, and one reason is because when you when you're in a conversation with someone one on one, and maybe you're asking a friend about, hey, I'm single. Do you have any advice for me? It's difficult sometimes as the person giving advice directly in that one on one to be really blunt and direct. Because you don't want to yeah. hurt somebody's feelings. But here in a podcast setting, we're not, again, we're not talking about any one person specifically. We're going to be pretty blunt because it's easier for us to do that than maybe your friends or your pastor or, you know, someone in that situation. And finally, I do hope that, and I think that this is helpful stuff for married people as well. Because again, all of these things apply. And yeah. cont- like, <laughs> it's not as if women should be pursuing feminine beauty until the day they get married and they're like, out come the sweats. Baby. Actually, I was going to say, I do think, like, even you think about like grooming practices, if mm-hmm. you can't figure it out as a single woman, you're definitely not going to figure it out when you have two, three kids yeah, trying to, you know, tear down the house and you got to stop to take a shower and figure yeah. out how to get your hair done. And so, yeah, this definitely, this really, really does, you guys, set you up for married life. Yes, that's exactly right. And so uh, we're going to be talking about that. in in uh, We have a, a separate show that's called In the Kitchen that we release every week just for our patrons, people who support the show, help continue to make it possible, cover the cost, help support our publishing house, New Kristen Impress, that publishes this podcast and in this week's episode of In the Kitchen, if you support the show on Patreon, you'll see we're going to talk pretty specifically about dress for men and women related to this. So we hope that's helpful as well. If you'd like to support the show, there's a link in the description. We'll talk more about that. But the way that we're going to frame this episode is basically around a series of just questions that we would encourage you to wrestle with or to ask yourself or to answer. And the first one, coming out swinging right out the gate is have you done a brutally honest assessment of yourself? Have you done a brutally honest assessment of yourself? Because often in a question like this, where we're talking about something that's not totally in your control, and I know theologically, guys, nothing is totally in our control. But I mean, like, (laughs) if you're dealing with a sin in your life, you're, you can identify it, repent of it, crucify it, you know, seek forgiveness, all of that yourself. But when we're talking about finding a spouse, it's not something you do by yourself. There's someone else involved who they have to agree to be your spouse, right? Yeah. You have to, like, they, they, there's another will, there's another person. So one of, when you're in a situation like that, it can get overwhelming. And one of the things that you can begin to have is a sort of fatalistic view where you're like, well, no one showed up yet. It's in the Lord's hands, and I'm just, it's, it's not up to me. And, and on a level, that's true. It's not completely up to you. It is the Lord's providence, and it is somebody else showing up and being interested and pursuing you or you know being pursued and, th- and that kind of thing. But when we're talking about a question like this, the, one of the first things we need to do is identify everything that is in my control, everything that is in my wheelhouse of responsibility, so that I can pursue excellence in those areas of responsibility. Yeah, that God has sovereignly chosen as means of, again, that creatureliness. It's not bad that God made us to be attracted to, for men to be attracted to women and women to be attracted to men. That's yeah. okay. Yeah. So when we say, have you done a brutally honest assessment of yourself? I, I, I mean things like, you know, let's go through some different ways that this might look. One of them might be, Again, like Lexi said, I think you put it well, we're creatures, we're embodied. We don't want to like be discarnate. We want to be incarnate in our thinking, meaning we're embodied souls and there are certain things that God has just wired into us 
that make somebody more or less desirable mm-hmm. as a spouse. Yeah. And those things can include like physical fitness, care for your, you know, fit care for your body, your appearance. So you might ask yourself, how how am I doing in my appearance and in those aspects of my appearance that are within my control? And and not everybody is a supermodel. No. I'm certainly not a supermodel. No. I mean, well, well, think about it this way, though. If you, so, as a woman, if you're a woman who's single and you know 40, 50 pounds overweight, wants to find a spouse, wants to have babies, that's going to be, first of all, harder to have babies. Mm-hmm. Second of all, harder to figure out then with a new baby how to lose the baby weight and be mm-hmm. healthy enough to keep up with all your godly duties. Yeah. So we're not saying solve these problems now, but are, is there a game plan for tackling this in a way that is healthy so that you can do hopefully your duty of being a wife and your duty of being a mother at some point. I, I think that's yeah. how I think of this. Yeah, you're you know thinking through what are the duties of a married woman? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, Lord willing, and should everything go normally, I'm hopefully going to bear children. I'm going to you know be a lover to my husband. I'm going to need to care for a household. And so you need to be thinking about like in terms of my health, how am I eating? How am I physically active? How am I taking care of myself? And what does it show in my appearance? Now, some people naturally are going to, carry weight differently and some yeah. people are going to be you know bird skinny yep. and and that's just how they are Again, some people creatureliness. Are be, we're creatures we're yeah, not we're saying here's the here's the BMI that no. everybody has to hit no. and here's the other thing i will say our culture um, does tend uh-huh. to not accurately assess how god has created women to look uh-huh. in terms of like body fat it's okay like women are supposed yeah. to have yeah Body, More you body shouldn't fat. have like the the yeah. body fat of a long distance run. That's often not even helpful. Yeah, that's you know, true. That's can a good way. Interrupt fertility. And to be honest, most women I counsel are on the other end of the spectrum where they're yeah. not eating. Correct. It's yep. not the it's not eating too much. Yeah. It's that they're not eating. Yeah. And therefore, they can't get up in the morning to do their duties. Yeah, they're not thinking. So, <laughs> so, so, uh, uh, you know, just again, we're we're the friends who are being brutally honest because we're not looking you. We don't know. We're not worried about offending anybody who's yeah. in particular. If you're obese, just uh, you know this, it is going to be harder to find a spouse. Yeah. Because God has made a world where uh, there are certain physical attributes that are that are attractive. So as a man, I have to recognize that let's say that when I was trying to win a spouse, if I had weighed 275 pounds, I'm not saying my winsome personality couldn't have won Lexi still, but I would have been putting an obstacle because she has to be looking at me going, well, is he self-controlled? Is he going to have the yeah. longevity to take care of my family and I? And you should be is desiring a spouse that can make those assessments. Yes. You don't want a foolish spouse. Mm-hmm. And so that's part of the hard part of this conversation too, yeah. is like, who do you want in a godly spouse and what do they expect in a godly spouse? And are yeah. you that? Yeah. And Nancy talks about that in that book. Lexi, what has been one of the easiest ways to turn a profit in our home in a way that's also fun for the kids? Good question. I think raising backyard poultry tops the list. We get lots of eggs, and the kids always love helping take care of the chickens. If you're trying to get your backyard poultry operation started, check out Ideal Poultry. Ideal Poultry is the country's number one backyard poultry provider, and you can benefit from their work by visiting IdealPoultry.com and placing an order today. Again, that's IdealPoultry.com. Check them out and get some birds for your backyard. Yeah, and so it's like, you know, ladies, are you, if you look at it and you say, you know what, it, you're right, I am overweight, it is an obstacle, 
and I need to work on this. Well, then we're not saying become bulimic or anorexic or some stupid, don't, don't become a reactionary, but be thinking about positive long-term health in fulfilling your duties. One of those duties being attracted to a husband and doing your best in terms of dieting, getting some advice, exercise, things like that, that will just make you strong in the long term for all of your duties, including the duty. It's a real duty for a spouse to put effort into being attractive to their, for their spouse. That is a real part of marriage. It doesn't change when you get married. So that's no less a duty than it is for a husband to provide for his family. He should also, uh, uh, you know, be attractive for his wife. Where would you go to in scripture to say this though? To say that. Yeah. Well, so I think so. It's, someone's not yeah. just saying, "Oh, you're just putting," you know, well, right, God yeah. looks at the heart, not the outside. <laughs> yeah, of course, and that's true. And I would say that there are multiple levels on which um, things like duties work out. One of them being positive command, where we have commands like, uh, you know, to provide for your household, especially members, or for your family, especially members of your own household, uh, those kinds of things. For a wife to be Titus two, you can look at that. To um, but but take take a command like in Titus two where um, Paul is telling Titus how to instruct a woman. And one of them is to, for the older women to train the younger women to be lovers of their husbands and children, right? So then think about all of the downstream things that would be implicated or implied by that command. One of them would be, insofar as it's up to you, you need to maintain the physical ability to be a lover of your husband and children. Uh, yeah, Part of being true. a lover of your husband and children is that your body does not belong to you. It belongs to your husband, 1 Corinthians 7. The, the marriage bed is a real part of this. And God simply did make a world. And now we can get into what we might call natural theology, where we're deriving creational realities that teach us something about God, about us, about the world that he made. So one of the things I think you can easily derive... And again, this is one of those things you have to plug your ears, shut your eyes, and kind of shout down the voice of natural revelation, especially, would be to say that it is not attractive to a spouse to be morbidly obese. And it does prevent you from fulfilling your duties. So it's a good balance, though, because on the one hand, that prevents us from saying that everybody has to have the body of a supermodel. But on the other hand, it does allow us to say, look, let's be realistic here. Let's understand the world that God made. And that, yes, uh, men are going to be more attracted to a spouse, a potential spouse, if they are physically fit, within reason. And the same for women. Women are going to be more attracted to a physically fit man. And, and think about it, because what does it say to a potential spouse that you're physically fit? It says that you have a level of self-discipline. Yeah, and I'm not, uh, I'm thinking of like the Roman, I think it was Roman, the virtues, like, it was very much tied to physical appearance because it did say other things about other character traits of that person. Yeah. yeah. So we need to, we need to not make the biblicist error of anything that's not positively stated as a sentence in scripture cannot be a helpful command or wisdom understanding. There are things that are true by good and necessary consequence. And that's what Mm -hmm. we're talking. We're talking about wisdom areas here. We're talking application of principles here. Is this, remember how I was telling you earlier about how I've had to figure out certain aspects of this femininity wise. Yeah. Is this a place to talk about that? Yeah. I think this would be a great place. Okay. Um, I have a very girly mother. If anyone has met my mother, they know my mother's very girly, very feminine in a typical traditional pink boudoir type of a place. You know, yeah, loves My mom's house and... is pink and white. The whole house is pink and Absolutely. white. Absolutely. Very feminine. Very woman. old yeah. school, classy Hollywood type um, beauty. And that is just not me. 
at all, at all, at all, at all. And so I, while I, I have always maintained a sense of femininity as I've gotten older and I've had more kids, I've really had to figure out what, um, like what interests me in a, in being a woman because I don't like to wear as much makeup as my mom. I don't get excited about hair products like my mom. Yeah. I don't like to get dressed up in classy, classy outfits like my mom. So yeah. I've had to really figure out like, and then on top of it, there's this whole weird crunchy layer to me that's like, well, I won't use that product <laughs> yeah. and I won't use that product. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I've had to be okay with like almost kind of making it an adventure of like, well, what kind of lipstick am I willing to wear? And yeah. what kind of clothing do I want to wear? So I think it's important for ladies with high ideals. Cause that's the thing is a lot of our listeners have really high ideals in all yeah. of these yeah. spectrums. And so I, I think you need to figure out, okay, you know, maybe, maybe for some women, you're not going to be the one that's going to get her nails done at the salon every day. That doesn't say that doesn't make you feel feminine. What makes you feel feminine and how can you play that up mm-hmm. in a way that you're comfortable with? Yeah. Yeah. Understanding. So, does that make sense? Yeah. So th- there's like a principle, which is men, you need to pursue masculinity yeah. in holistically in the way that yeah. you think, speak, act, present yourself. Because you are a man, God made you to be one. And so you should think, how can I be the uh, the kind of man who lives in harmony with what it is that God made for a man to be and to do? And women, you need to be asking the principle, how can I be feminine all the same ways? I, how you land it is going to be different. There's going to be a million applications that will genuinely look different across culture, personality. I have a really practical one yeah. um, that Daphne made me think of, actually. I am not a nail polish person at all Mm -hmm. have never been that I have always desired to have prettier fingernails. (laughs) This is really silly, but (laughs) I've never thought about, I just didn't, I know. And so that's one of those things too. This wasn't because of Brian or anything. This was my daughter. Um, I didn't think I had pretty fingernails. I thought it was impossible for me to have like manicured, gorgeous nails, but I'm not saying I have gorgeous nails, but my daughter suddenly wanted me to paint her nails all the time. And I was like, oh, I don't want to put this junk all over her hands. She eats it. I had a baby girl on the way. I knew she was going to be putting her hands in her mouth. Long story short, I found a really non-toxic company that I just absolutely love. And so now it's a very fun thing for me and my little girls to all paint our fingernails together in a way that I just had never thought of before because fingernail painting wasn't high on my feminine priority list. But yeah. it is for my daughters, so I've had to figure yeah. that out. Yeah, exactly. And it, and that's just an example of like, there's an aspect of feminine appearance that is, you know, could seem by itself, you could pick out a lot of these, as, you know, different things and say, well, that's just caring too much about appearance. Or that's like, I don't have to do that. Well, yeah, any one of these things, yeah, no. it's not like you have to paint your nails or you have I never, to be- I hardly ever get my hair cut at a hair salon. <laughs> yeah, so part of doing an honest and brutally honest self-assessment is to say, like, look, am I, with, with the body God gave me and the, everything that the Lord gave me, am I cultivating? Am I tending my garden? Am I presenting myself? Think about your dress. And again, we're going to talk more granularly about this in our In the Kitchen episode for patrons, but think about your dress. Like, ladies, one of my... Biggest life goals, not really, but one of my... What is it? Let's hear it. It's not really Uh-oh. my biggest life goal, but one of my goals in the conversation and with whatever influence I have in sort of shaping 
the idea of what godly femininity looks like, especially with beauty, is ladies wear dresses. Like, just do it. I mean, just do it. Just wear dresses. Find beautiful, modest dresses. Prioritize it in your budget. Prioritize it in the time. I know the time and the practicality. This is how, in almost every culture, and particularly Christian ones, women have adorned themselves in terms of their dress is to wear dresses. That says something. Yeah, I think it's, um, we're not saying you can never wear pants, Mm -hmm. but we are saying this is the first time in history that it's normalized for women to never wear dresses, ever. And even think about this, 150 years ago, if we had said that sentence, and I really do believe it's I'd true. I'd even I say think it just can, a few decades even, probably. I think you, you women, I don't think it's a sin to wear pants. I'm not saying no, that. No, but, no, no. But if you're going to go in a lot of cultures, especially Christian-dominated cultures, and say, like, should women generally wear pants in public instead of dresses? Almost universally, they would have said no. They, they would have been like, what? what? No, don't. Why is that? Because there's something that is expressed in yeah. the way that you adorn yourself about what you believe you are. What do you believe a woman is and ought to look like? What do you believe a man is and what he ought to look like? What are their functions? What are they supposed to be aiming for? Our clothing literally communicates. Yeah, it's a type and, of speech. And this is one of those things that either we don't think about or we're just told, yeah, that's not true, that's a lie, it doesn't matter. It communicates something yeah. about ourselves, about those around us, and about the Lord. So, And just practically, I am unaware of any mode, general mode of dress or style of dress for a woman that is as feminine, beautiful, shows care, shows a certain type of femininity that is not immodest as uh, wearing a beautiful, modest dress. Like, think about a lot of the common oh. styles for looking yep. feminine today. Most of them are actually, they. some of them are feminine, but they're feminine by being immodest. Yeah, by showing your curves instead yes. of complimenting your curves. They're feminine by yeah. being skinny jeans that yeah. show the hips and that show the bottom and that show everything because they're pasted on. Yeah. Or, yeah, sure, they're feminine because they're those skinny jeans that go down to stiletto heels and they leave very little to the imagination. Yeah. Or yeah. they're feminine in terms of their leggings that, again, show all of that. You can even see, like, the thing is, if you can see your genitalia in an outfit, it's probably not modest. That's a pretty a principle you can probably all agree on. You know, it's like some of the clothing that women wear in gyms or things like that. (laughs) There is a sense in which they're feminine Mm -hmm. because they reveal like the sexed reality. You are a woman. Yes. But they're immodest. Yeah. It's like a naked woman is feminine, but that doesn't mean she should be displayed except for her husband. So, you know, when we think about this, this question, be brutally honest, because let me just speak for men everywhere and just say that, ladies, if you wear a dress and you have... You have, you know, put some effort into making your hair look feminine and pretty. And you have put some, you know, effort into within your body type and, you know, all the creative realities being reasonably in shape. You will be attractive yeah. to men like you just will be. And, and <laughs> I think there's an element here where some people, they get a fatalist thing where they're like, yeah. this just is my body type or I'm just not attractive. It's like, mm-hmm. look, the Lord didn't make a world full of ugly late. It's just yeah. not the reality. No, I, I get it that not everybody's going to be, if you want to say like a 10, whatever, I'm not a 10. It's okay. Most of us aren't going to be. But if we show care and discipline and also a concern for being feminine or masculine, I think that ends up being almost universally attractive. Right, and what happens with that is typically you have to reject most modern trends 
for both men and women, to be yeah. honest. You're right. So, yeah. so that you can dress to your body type. The yeah. average body type, especially like I think about mom, the average mom, I can't, I can hardly buy clothes in stores anymore. Yeah. Um, because most of the trends do it, they lend itself towards a, uh, unisex stick figure yeah. and that's it. Yeah. Or a unisex balloon and that's it. We're going to talk more about this in the kitchen. Correct. Lexi's yep. going to talk some more in, in the kitchen about dressing for your body type. Cause I think this is very important. So to sum, to sum this up, this was about physical appearance here and brutally honest assessment. Men, are you masculine, clean, in shape? Are you presenting yourself with care? Are you are you slovenly? Do you dress like you're about to basically go muck out some pigs every Just time real, you're in public? Just real truth. Do you have holes in your t-shirt? I yeah. know like guys overlook this, but I see it like guys yeah. just walk around with holes in their t-shirts in places where they should be really dressed up. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, dude, I, did no one tell you to throw that away like last yeah. year? Are you like wearing the t-shirt that shrunk in the washer and it's riding up on your <laughs> belly that's a little big? Sorry, babe. And you're kind Sometimes of, that happens by accident. <laughs> hey, you're pregnant. So, no, 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 all I, the yeah. time, even not pregnant. <laughs> no. Hey, it happens. Look, but are, are you like putting effort? Would a woman look at you and say, wow, that man is concerned about, he has discipline and he is thinking this through and he is a... T- I know that that guy's trying to present himself in a way that presents... Um, capability yeah and this is real like men do you know how to dress up for church figure it out yeah no really figure it out i I think of i think it was shay elliott on homemaker chic was talking about in italy she went a couple years ago and she was just like i don't understand everything is so simple it's not like over the top dress like america but Mm -hmm. why does it all look better and one of the italian friends of hers was like it's just because we iron everything (laughs) <laughs> everything yeah. is pressed here. Yeah. And it was interesting to me of like, oh, if you just do the basics really well, pretty much everything will be tied in really well. Yep. So and, and get new t-shirts, guys. <laughs> yes. And what's funny is I know that there's going to be a type of person who will listen to this episode and they're probably fuming mad right now. And they're going <laughs> to proceed to prove every point we're making Correct. by being a single person yes. who dresses slovenly, <laughs> refuses to think about their appearance. And they're just going to be like these legalists while they go on yeah. to never find a spouse. Yeah. And and I'm yeah. I'm again I'm trying to be a friend to you who's brutally honest yeah and tell you that women in your life single men who dress slovenly are overweight and are clearly not putting any thought into your discipline and appearance as a masculine self disciplined man women are not going to be attracted to you or they're going to be less likely to be attracted to you and 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 that's your responsibility you're again I'm trying to be a friend to you and I'll, I would say it less you know positively to a to a single lady same thing. Be thinking about these things. Again, brutally honest assessment of yourself. You might ask something like, shifting gears a little bit, how's my conversational ability? This episode of Bright Hearth is sponsored by Garlands of Grace, which is a wonderful Christian company that offers a variety of very versatile head coverings, head wraps, and headbands for sale for women and girls. They're very versatile. Uh, You know, whether you're head covering for... 1 Corinthians 11 reasons, or just looking for a pretty and feminine head covering, they've got you covered. Babe, why do we like Garlands of Grace? I really liked Garlands of Grace because when I was first trying to um, recover this call to head cover, I didn't necessarily want something that was super trendy and that everyone else was doing. Um, And I found their pieces really feminine and timeless in a way that uh, just a lot of other coverings that you could pick up at Target or on Amazon just weren't and they are very quality and if you are a mom trying to cover in a pew with wiggly children 
you know how hard it is to actually keep a head covering on. Yes. And I really like their volumizer brand, uh, bands that are velvet and they stick to your head and I have had no issues with them. So yeah, I really like them. And they're a sister-owned company. Yeah, Christian-owned, sister-owned, and they're all made in the USA. So a great company to support. We would uh, commend you, husbands, if you're listening. Go check this out as a thoughtful gift for your wife, for your daughters. They have head wraps for uh, ladies as well as little girls. And they've got a whole lot of different styles, a lot of different beautiful colors, and a really great quality company. So we're glad to have them as a sponsor for this episode of Bright Hearth. And uh, you can support us by supporting them. So head over to garlandsofgrace.com. You can use the link in the description of this episode, and we hope that you'll give them your support. You see both, I mean, you see it even with married people too, but it is something specific with single people. Either they monopolize the conversation with topics that either like they just don't know that's not socially appropriate to be talking about that mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. Or you're talking about yourself way too much. Learn to ask a question, buddy. Or there's the other end of the spectrum where they just don't know how to carry a conversation. Yeah. So you have, you really do have both out there in the world. Yeah. And, and so again, this isn't a fatalist. We're not making fun of you. This is just a reality. Some people didn't, their personality or their upbringing, they never learned how to carry a conversation. So I'm, I'm telling you, literally, in a brutally self-honest assessment, if you find yourself cripplingly anxious when you're in conversations with strangers or at church or avoiding them altogether, that will have to change. Like, you, you need to work on that. You don't have to fundamentally become a different person. No. But, I mean, it can be as easy as, this is going to sound cheesy, but start looking for resources that teach somebody how to confidently no, have No, that's what I was going to say, is you need to make a like one actionable. This is what I do when I'm tackling big things that feel overwhelming to me. What is one small step you can take this week? And then then check in at the end of the week. Did you do that? Okay. Yeah. What's the next thing you can do? That's how you tackle these things. Every day I'm going to initiate a conversation with somebody at work or elsewhere that I didn't have to have. And I'm going to attempt to have a, a good, encouraging conversation. Things like, or, what questions can I have ready to ask people about themselves? How can I take interest in the person I'm talking to? Can I make yeah. eye contact? Can I be warm and like not you know, looking anxious and like I'm a mouse that's ready to run away and be scared? What would you say, like what would the other end of the spectrum be? Because I'm thinking of um, you and Eric and I were out of town somewhere and there was a guy who was single and talking very inappropriately about it was he wasn't being inappropriate, but he just was he obviously had no idea. He didn't have self awareness. So So what would you say to that type of person? Yeah. It, you know, like <laughs> it's hard to teach this, but you, But we all knew like, wow, this shouldn't be talked about here in mixed company right now. Yeah, like <laughs> you know, you shouldn't be going up to a, a, a pastor or something and saying like when his wife is right there, there are like three other women present being like, Yeah, I really look at a lot of porn, I'm trying to deal with that. My brother in Christ, it's not that time. Don't talk. Do tell your pastor. Do ask for help. But like, read. There are things like that. That's just an example of like self awareness where you really. This is why I'm telling you to have a brutally honest assessment of yourself because the way that you take responsibility for everything you can is by interrogating yourself and saying, like, wow, if I were to talk to me, would it be a pleasant experience? 
Yeah. Is it true. serving the person? Am I loving my neighbor in the way that I carry conversations? Do I only talk about myself? Do that's I ask a, them yeah, questions? That's, that's true. Am that's... I am I like being awkward and inappropriate? Am I like? And sometimes like you just get nervous and you say yeah. something dumb. We all we do that. all do this. Like, literally, we all do that, guys. <laughs> and then we think about it for the rest of our life yeah, when exactly. we're about to fall asleep. But <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying be perfect. But I'm saying think about your conversational ability. And literally, there are whole books. There are whole YouTube videos. There are whole things like this where you can watch and like you could look up how to be a self-confident man and carry a conversation. And you'll find resources that help you, but One you have to take initiative. The best communicators that I can think of who also taught his children how to communicate yeah, very well. I know who you're talking about. Really loved the book When People Are Big and God is Little. I think that's what it's called. Is it Ed Welch? I think it's Ed Welch. Yeah. yeah. Or um, when people are big and God is small. It's about sphere of there man. There you go. Yeah. Which is what is happening here. Yeah, it's a fear of man. It's what is happening here. Um, so I definitely recommend that book too. I really loved that book, but I know it really fundamentally shaped this person in many, many ways. And you need to you need to think about yourself in terms of skills that you have or don't have, and and but then realize that most of the things we're talking about are skills anybody can learn. You know, they're that's not a good things point. that you had to be given at birth. That's true. That's a good point. Most of these are not just innate ability. You can't just be like. Well, I'm introverted, and that means I'm never going to put effort into learning how to have a conversation or get outside of myself. Yeah. It's not a good enough excuse. That's like the person who says, I'm Irish, so I drink too much. Or the boisterous woman that men avoid because they know she is the loud mouth in the crowd, and you can't tell her anything because yeah. everyone's going to know. That woman yeah. is also to be avoided. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, will be avoided. You know, so things like this, brutal self-assessment, we're going to give you some more, like, how is my war with sin, my Christian fruitfulness? Am I cultivating the fruits of the Spirit? And one of the biggest areas where I think this really lands and is really relevant to singleness is things like, are there big sins and habits that I'm aware of that I know I'd like to see broken because they would make marriage hard or any woman that found out about them or any man that found out about them would be very like, whoa, that's a red flag. Yeah. So brutally honest again, men or women, this is pornography. This is like, there's a reason why uh, I'm, I posted recently trying to help connect single people in our context with maybe marriageable people in other areas. And one of the big red flags is that I'm, I'm simply not going to ask one of the women in my church who are single to start like a dating relationship questions with a guy who's regularly looking at pornography. Yeah. And I yeah. understand that I know the percentages. I know how rampant it is, but what we're talking about there is like it's 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 fornication and yeah. adultery. So and I, some of my single friends have said part of why using online dating services is so frustrating is because the amount of time it takes to figure out if a man is addicted to porn yeah. is really discouraging. So honestly, in some ways, if you guys had like a bulleted list that you were advertising, yeah. like, hey, I'm reformed, I'm not vaccinated, I haven't looked at porn in X amount of years, I regularly meet with my house church. Those are the type of things yeah. that women want to know quickly because yeah. they don't want their time wasted. Yeah. So um, a young man who's looking Advertise for a spouse, that. you should, if, if that's true, like you say sh it, you should say it. That's fine. Like, it put is, it on the makes list. you highly eligible. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You are in a top percentage right now. Yeah. Simply by doing that. So you need to be thinking about this. Like what are the, for ladies, like, are you cultivating the fruit of, of the spirit that would allow you to be, have a gentle and quiet spirit? Yeah. Are you respectful of male authority? Like, are you respectful of your church elders, for example? Are you respectful of your father? Are you encouraging to men around you in general? Like, do you, 
belittle men or do you have a, a generally like I am for men, I love masculinity, uh, I am, you know, this is a silly example, but, you know, I've seen like ladies on Twitter, for example, not necessarily single, but, you know, just ladies in general who would see an example in culture of like a heroic feat that a man performed and just say like, wow, thank the Lord for strong, for, for strong men. Like who go out in the flood zone and rescue the women and children whose car is stranded in the water. It's like that. That is that's a godly yeah. element of masculinity. If you cultivate a habit for honoring godly masculinity, that is a very very attractive trait. Yeah. To men. Did I ever tell you about that guy at the basketball court a couple months ago? Uh, I can't remember. There were these two guys. I took the kids to the basketball court, mm-hmm. and one of them had like long hair, purple purple streaks mm-hmm. in it, covered in tattoos, and the other guy just looked clean cut. And they were playing basketball together. And um, one of them had been doing. He had been breaking a rule in the gym. The clean cut guy was breaking a rule in the gym. The older lady at the gym came and asked him not to do it. Mm-hmm. Walked away. He said, "Okay, fine, not a big deal." Well, the other Dumbo with purple hair came and literally started harassing the older lady. Like, uh, I mean, totally inappropriate. I was absolutely shocked. Both of my boys yeah. said, he, said he needed a spanking. Um, and the oh. other the other clean cut guy ended up coming back and saying, hey, I'm sorry about that. I, I really will not do that again. And he apologized to her. And I went over to him afterwards and I said, I'm really proud of how you handled that because your friend over yeah. there was totally inappropriate with the way he treated that older woman. And yeah. I respect you for that. Yeah. And he was like, oh, thank you. Because I was thinking... This guy probably never gets honored in our culture today for yeah. acting like a man. Yeah. Yet his rude friend over there gets all the attention for being a big Rudy pants. Yeah. And if there are ways that are, you know, like for example, let me give an example in church. Ladies might be like, well, how do I do that as a single woman in a way that a man would even see? It's not all about being seen. But like, let's say that you're after church and people are talking. And this often happens at our church. I'm just thinking about how our culture is like, We'll be talking about something, and um, it would be totally appropriate for uh, a young lady to say something like, Pastor Khan, one of our pastors, I thought your charge today was really appropriate yeah. and helpful. Thank you for that. That was courageous. Yeah. Great. She just respectfully honored yeah. a masculine initiative. Mm-hmm. Like That kind of thing is, is like catnip. To, yeah. you know, to yeah. All the young single men that would, that would hear that would be like, oh, my word. That woman knows how yeah. to honor a man for doing a masculine job. Yeah. You know, and you're like, I think women underestimate the influence they have with the simple acts of like respect and yeah. honoring of masculinity. Oh, totally. So this is part of self-assessment is asking like, what kind of habits do I want to cultivate spiritual maturity? Do I do I have the fruits of spirit? Am I argumentative? Am I bicker? Am I easy to be anxious or depressed? Like I do want to say this too. Um, there's this trait, like obviously as as reformed Christians, we have a very high view of educated women, Yeah, but there is something that can happen where these very educated, equipped, qualified women then become like, Oh, I'm the strong woman that I got to find someone who's strong enough for me. And <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, no, I don't think women understand what a turnoff that is. Don't do that. It's not that you can't be a strong woman, yeah. but if you're, if you're walking into a relationship saying that you're, you're already telling the man he's going to have a hard time. Yes, and he's gonna say no, thanks. Yep. Yeah. He's, <laughs> See ya. It's, it's a turn. It's a huge. So you turn-off. have to be able to. I need a man who can handle this. Ugh. I mean, I, I was there. I understand that. I, I, uh-huh. I am thankful for Brian because I do know there is a type of man that would let me get away with my sin in this way, and I do understand 
mm-hmm. that particular need that I have as a particular woman. But to then say that and play yeah. into that and then make that be the thing, that yep. is not feminine at all. No, it's about understanding how you're being perceived by other people. Correct. Yeah, that's part of self awareness. Self-assessment. You yeah. know, the last little aspect of this first question, how do you be brutally honest assessment of yourself is like finances, career, that attractiveness on that side to a mate. Like would a mate have confidence that I am cultivating the skills necessary to be a stable, trustworthy spouse and how I, because, okay, in both directions, as a man in a spouse, I'm looking at a woman who's going to be the mother of my children and who is going to be really one of, like probably the single biggest human factor in whether or not my life is miserable or happy. I want a stable person who's responsible, who makes good decisions yeah. financially and otherwise in cultivating their own skills. So I think you guys know where to go with this. And we don't need to talk a ton about it, but just like, man, am I, am I cultivating the ability to provide? Am I making financially wise decisions? Could I tell a, a person like, yeah, absolutely. I could provide a place to live. I'm not talking about wealth day one, but like, could I provide a place to live? Am I stable in these directions? That kind of thing. And as a man looking at a single woman saying like, is this the kind of woman that she demonstrates stability? She demonstrates financial maturity. She's not in a bunch of debt. She hasn't made foolish life decisions that are going to make my life really difficult if I marry, if I, if I inherit all of her yeah. financial state. Yeah. Yeah. I know a woman that did end up getting married with quite a bit of college debt and she just Mm -hmm. worked her butt off her first year of marriage. Yeah. Getting that debt paid off. Yeah. Completely completely paid off. And I thought, man, what a queen. Yeah. What a queen. (laughs) Because she didn't want to go in, like, she didn't want to prolong the payments and she didn't want to go into childbearing years with that debt. And so she just, man, she got that taken care of. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> well, guys, we are to the limit for the time that we have to record a single episode, but we have a lot of meat left on the bone here. So what we're going to do is do a part two on this. And I think it's going to be helpful in the next in the next part. We are going to do talk more about some practical things that you can do. And I think other steps that you can take. Any last words, babe, before we leave on this first question you could ask yourself about a brutally honest assessment? Not that I can think of. I always think of stuff later, but... Okay, well, write it down. We're going to record a part two on this. We're going to talk about proactivity, reasonable expectations, and things like that next week. So everything I said at the beginning, just push it back a week. Because <laughs> we really want to do this one justice. We think it's uh, you know a big topic. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. Again, if you'd like to support the show, support our sponsors. We've promoted some great Christian brands that we really believe in, the companies and what they're doing. And uh, you can also directly support the show on Patreon and get some great rewards. We'll send, I think most of our, the top two tiers, we send free, uh, free feed the patriarchy mug to, uh, we get, have to do a podcast just for our patrons that we think is helpful. And uh, we answer questions there and just try to interact. I think there's a lot of meat there that you can benefit from. If you'd like to make this show possible, make sure if you haven't already, that you leave us your most honest five-star review wherever you're listening. Share it with your friends. All the normal podcast slash YouTube video things people say. Hit that bell. Hit that notification thing. Hit subscribe. Smash that follow button. Whatever the kids are saying these days. And we'll catch you next time on Bright Hearth. <laughs>